Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. Well, good morning again. When Jean-Marie first asked me to give the Thanksgiving talk, I said, sure, that'll be great. I'm thinking, wow, that should be a no-brainer because it's even in Thanksgiving, giving thanks. <laughs> and then, and I said, we talk about gratitude all the time. And then I went, oh yeah, we talk about gratitude all the time. We have gratitude lists. We keep gratitude journals. It's part of our prayer. It's part of our meditation. On and on, I thought, what more can be said about gratitude? What could I possibly add to gratitude? So I'll ask you, how many of the 52 Sundays in the year do you think we talk about gratitude in some form or another? What do you think? I'm going with 52, yeah. <laughs> but then I reasoned, you know, we all do need reminders to be grateful because it's very easy to get wrapped up in our busy lives and concentrate on things that we don't have, especially here at Christmas time with all, well, holiday season, with all the commercialization. Well, we can't get that, and I don't have that, and, or I can't go on that vacation like those people flying to Bahamas or something, you know, or I don't get to do that anymore in my life. There are a lot of reasons. We can be the best people in the world, but we're human too, and, you know, we can get wrapped up in our life. And for some, you know, it's easy to get depressed over the holidays for a variety of reasons, maybe feeling lonely or grieving, or just feeling separate, and our hearts go out to all of those people in that situation. And many people feel that they don't have enough money for the holidays, you know, and that can be depressing too. But for those who do celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's just a lot to do, isn't there? There's just a lot to do. Even if you swear every year you're not going to do much, you end up uh, doing a lot, probably. There's food to shop for and to prepare. There's gifts to buy. You might put up decorations. There's entertaining. And you may be around a lot more people than you're used to. Our schedules can get off kilter. And so it's not that hard to get kind of, to overdo and get kind of overwhelmed. One thing I want to remind us, I know you're aware of it, but it's so important to keep our spiritual practices of meditation and prayer during this holiday time. And if you don't have a regular practice, now is a great time to institute one. I wanted to remind you about the resource page that we have on our own website right here at Unity Fort Worth. There are hundreds of hours of meditations on our website. The scan, the code is up there plus the uh, URL. But meditations focused on awareness, conscious breathing, embodiment, expanding the within, silent meditation, plus many morning pray-ins. 
And we have an in-person meditation at 9.30 on Sunday mornings that you can take advantage of too. A lot of people use meditation apps now. Some of you may. Insight Timer is a big one. I think there's even a group here that gets together at the same time and does Insight Timer. The beauty of those apps is you can really customize everything. You got five minutes? You got 10 minutes? Yes, I want five minutes. Do I want bells? Do I want music? Do I want it guided? Do I want it silent? You can make all of these wonderful choices. So I just encourage you to keep up those practices, even if you just have five minutes. Well, most of you have probably heard of positive psychology. It's the branch of psychology that has as its primary focus the strengths and virtues and talents that contribute to our lives, to successful functioning, and to enable individuals and communities to flourish. flourish. One of the simplest definitions I found, though, of course, is the scientific study of what makes life worth living. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? As you can imagine now, in that branch of psychology, there are tons of research studies. If you look it up online, you'll be set, uh, sent to all kinds of websites and academic journals, et cetera. And many of them are happiness studies. So again, there are lots of variables for happiness. However, I wanted to talk about these three points that the author Lewis Richman, who wrote the book Aging as a Spiritual Practice, which is a fantastic little book, but he points out that in many happiness studies, they identify three main factors, gratitude, generosity, and reframing difficult situations. We'll take each one. Oh, I grabbed some gratitude quotes from Unity co-founder Myrtle Fillmore for today. Uh, she says, wrote, the practice of giving thanks should be observed in the home every day of the year, not just on the national holiday. Well, of course, we know that. As I said, we know that. We talk about gratitude and we practice it. But I don't know about you, but I still like the fact that we have a day set aside specifically for this purpose. I like to envision people all across the land stopping and counting their blessings. Myrtle also wrote, the day of Thanksgiving is a day originally instituted in recognition of God as source of the nation's supply and prosperity. A day set apart as a special tribute of praise and gratitude to the great giver of all good. And I know all of us have had the experience of being grateful. You know, it fills the heart with thanksgiving, and it changes how we look at ourselves, other people, and situations. I have read where it said that it might be difficult to give thanks for, for all things, but as Paul in the Bible tells us, to give thanks in all things, and especially when you're in the midst of situations. The third factor ooh, is generosity. Glad I looked back. A couple, I took a couple of uh, quotes from the Bible. From Timothy 6:18, they are to do good, 
to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. And from Proverbs 11:25, a generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. But research does show that those who share their gifts of time, talent, and treasure are happier. I know each of us have felt that as well when we're generous to a friend or a stranger, or we support an organization whose mission we believe in. Often we get just as much as the giver as the receiver does. It is an exchange, and it lets us be generous with our praise and encouragement and all of the things that we specifically have. We get that feeling and knowledge that we're giving back and we're sharing. And of course, we're following the teachings, the spiritual teachings of Jesus and other spiritual founders and leaders, as we discovered through our past eight weeks studying other religions. In Christianity, of course, we're following the second commandment that Jesus gave, love your neighbor. Also, the golden rule is in here, isn't it? Treating others as we want to be treated. And by the way, generosity includes being generous with yourself, too. And it might be as simple as giving yourself some extra rest and relaxation, and especially during the holidays, not pushing all the time. We're also generous with ourselves when we forgive ourselves for some small mistake we might have made. We let it go, and we're kind and generous to ourselves. And the final thing, besides gratitude and generosity, making a person happy, is reframing difficult times. Reframing, of course, is just changing our attitude or our stance about some experience. You know, you can ask yourself, how might I look at that experience differently? How can I be happier and more peaceful about it? What level of consciousness have I been viewing this experience this whole time? From my ego consciousness, maybe feeling like a helpless victim, or from my Christ consciousness, meaning our highest nature. And when we come from our highest nature, we remember the values that we hold so dear. Peace, willingness to forgive, kindness, compassion. And it is possible to grow and change our thoughts, beliefs, and feelings. The first place, of course, to start is awareness, right? We've got to be aware of our thoughts because we can't change anything unless we're aware, right? We, and we can't change past events as much as we would like to sometime. We cannot go back and change those events. But what we can change is our understanding about that experience. And we can change our point of view that maybe could possibly have contributed to the misunderstanding. Or, or the miserable state that you have yourself into. Or perhaps we're just at a state now that we have grown spiritually and emotionally that we want to feel differently and we want to reframe those experiences. I'll give you of an example that happened to me <clears throat> during my last year of work, which was a few years ago. 
working for uh, money anyway, um, I was in conflict with this person. We were in major conflict, and it never happened to me in my workplace, at least not to this extent. I, I felt very fortunate, but we were totally at different ends. And every time, I, you know, and I would, before I would go into the office of this person, I would say, okay, I'm going to let it go. It's fine. I'm going to do my job, da 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 da. And every time I came out, I was either crying or upset, mad. I was mad, you know. I felt thrown under the bus. I felt maligned. I was hurt also. It was a terrible situation. But I, and so what I did was leave the situation because I could. Not everyone has that opportunity. But I knew I had to work on forgiveness because I was having not good thoughts about this whole situation and that person. So, of course, I started working on my, with my spiritual principles, with prayer and meditation. And I would think that I had a conquered, let's say, uh, probably more like surrender. But in any case, I, and then something would come up. And I'd be upset all over again. And I realized, I haven't forgiven. I haven't. And it, it happened several times. And then one day, when I was in meditation, trying not to think about anything, of course, the word compassion came to me. It was kind of like a flash. And I could even see the word. You ever see words uh, written out? And after that meditation, I went, well, I wonder who I need to be more compassionate with. Is it myself? Is it someone in my life? And then all of a sudden, this name popped up to me. And I went, ah, yeah, that's it. And that's, I came from compassion. And I started thinking about this person, was certainly doing the best that they could under the circumstances. They wanted to be successful, just like me, you know. Underneath, I'm sure a nice person has a nice family. Used to be a little fun when I knew her previously. Anyway, compassion, compassion, compassion. And uh, one day, it was gone. I mean, gone. I knew the day that those feelings were gone when I thought, hey, I might run into so-and-so. And if I do, it'd be good to have a chat. You know, we live in the same town. Uh, you know, it'd be good. I, I like her. And uh, that was quite a transformation for me. So, you know, forgiveness is one of those things that sometimes it could be instant, I suppose, but it takes, it takes some work. So... We talked about earlier about the need to keep our spiritual practices during the holidays, no matter how busy we get. I also wanted to remind you that it's really important to keep any physical activity that you might regularly do, no matter how busy you get. Try not to put exercise on the back burner. And it's not just because of the extra calories, but it's an excellent way to manage stress. Well, speaking of stress, one of my greatest challenges is I stress out about the house, getting it picked up and cleaned and keeping it that way because I love order. I love order, but I've had to give up a lot of order. Now I'm learning to love disorder, <clears throat> but um, <laughs> I'm trying anyway. But it always takes me so long, too, to get it done. And the reason I'm telling you this really mundane fact about myself is that I read an article in Real Simple Magazine that I'm going to try to emulate this woman, and so I wanted to share it with you. It was written by a woman who had the same thing, hard to clean house, and she had a family, and to keep the house picked up, you know, especially when people are coming over. You can live in your mire if it's just you. 
or I can't, but, uh, you know, you get stressed out if people are coming over. So she says she's given up that all of that pressure, and she's even stopped saying the phrase that we say when someone pops over, or we don't have very much time before they come over. You're going to help me on this one. We, they ring the doorbell. You go to the door, and you could go, hi. You open the door. You turn around and say, okay, let's hear it. My house is such a mess. I'm sorry for the mess. I don't usually live like this. Well, try not to lie. But, uh, but not only uh, that, but she has evolved to the idea that she is doing people a favor with her messy house. This is what I want to emulate. You're saying, well, how could that be? She says people can feel better about themselves. <laughs> and think, well, at least my house isn't as messy as Pamela's. <laughs> it's my gift this year. And I'm going to try to give it and give it and give it. I suggest it. I suggest it. <clears throat> Thank you for laughing. <laughs> I love when people can turn situations into humor, though. I believe that the power of laughter is one of the greatest powers. It should be one of the 12 powers. Zeal is one. But one of the um, best things that we can do and experience. And, um, yeah, there's several things about laughter. Well, it's just good for you, right? You relax. You can't be tense. And it, and it helps us heal. It brings down our blood pressure, brings down our heart rate, slows us down to the present moment. To me, that's the most important thing. You're not thinking about the past and the future when you're laughing. You're just perhaps your most authentic self. So that's one good thing. The second good thing about laughter is that it can change our perspective and see things in a different light. Because that's, that's, that's why jokes are funny, right? Because we can, two things or more are connected or juxtaposed in a way that we're not expecting. For example, did you hear about the stranger that came to church? Well, a man that the minister nor the congregation knew came to church one Sunday. And after the service, he asked the minister to pray for his hearing, if he would be available to pray for his hearing. And the minister said, absolutely. So the minister put his hands on the man's ears, and he gave a very long and passionate and heartfelt prayer. And then he said to the man, how's your hearing now? And the guy looked a little puzzled, and he said, well, it's not till Wednesday. <laughs> I'm on a roll. Maybe I should just get up here and tell jokes. <laughs> I've got another one later. So, but, but I think when we do connect things in unusual ways, it arouses our curiosity. Get some of our creative juices flowing, you know? Maybe we could even tap into some of our passions by uh, laughter. There's even laughter yoga. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I only have once, but it's kind of fun. And the third thing about uh, laughter, though, is it helps dissolve differences. There's some research that suggests that people who laugh together like each other more. And I can kind of see that, can't you, in a way? Um, it's often said that when people, two people laugh, they can be strangers, but their world overlaps for a, a little bit of a moment. And when that happens, our defenses are lowered, and the best of us can come out. 
So I can, I can see. Or have you ever been having a fight with someone about something kind of mundane, your partner maybe, and then one of you just breaks out laughing because you're having this stupid argument about taking out the trash or something. And so laughter can help us resolve differences too. My favorite quote about laughter comes from Benjamin Franklin. Trouble knocked at the door, but hearing laughter hurried away. Isn't that great? That's a great one. I'm glad I found that one. <clears throat> so let's be thankful for being lighthearted. And, and let's give thanks in advance for what we desire, for the thanksgiving that we desire. Let's give thanks for it in advance. So we can be like the football coach in a small high school who was known for his optimism. He got his team in the locker room for a pre-game pep talk. And he says, okay, guys, here we are. We're unbeaten. We're untied. We're unscored upon and ready for our first game of the season. <laughs> That's optimism, isn't it? We could emulate that. Well, before we go into meditation, <clears throat> I'd like to share a few more tips about surviving the holidays with laughter, perhaps, and peace, sanity, trying to keep our sense of humor, perhaps. Here's the scenario we're trying to avoid. When Uncle Fred, I, no, I didn't know anyone here named Fred, so that's why I chose Fred. But if you're Fred, it's just an example. Uncle Fred's had a, several glasses of wine, and he begins to talk about politics, or that quirky church you go to, or some other subject that you do not want to discuss. What do you do? Well, we're going to talk about four tips. The first one is actually predates pre that scenario, because I'm thinking, you know, if you're really getting together with family and friends, and you know them pretty well, why not have a conversation? I had envisioned a Zoom call where you say, hey, we're getting together, we're looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I know we all feel, we feel there's some differences here about politics, especially now and all of that, but I was just hoping I could get some buy-in on just really remembering why we're getting together, to enjoy one another and to not bring up controversial topics. You, you, you get the gist. And, you know, it's a possibility it might work. And, if, if, and also, you might build some, at least some people, you know, to that point of view that might be a little bit easier to handle. The last three tips are from retired Unity Minister Tom Shepard. He wrote about these in Unity Magazine several years ago, and I really like them. I saved them. So tip number two... If that does happen, Uncle Fred scenario, try to change the subject to something more neutral. I and mean, we all know this, but if you think about it maybe beforehand. If you're with your family and old friends, you have had Thanksgivings before. Tell a good story. You remember that Thanksgiving we all met at the lake and yeah, something, something, something. Or remember what our grandmother always did at Thanksgiving? Something neutral, even the movie. Have you seen that, film, that new film? Just make sure it's not a controversial one. So that's, that's one thing you can do. Try to move to a neutral subject. Number three, you can remind yourself that this is an opportunity for you to stay on your spiritual path. Just consider it practice. All good skills take practice, don't they? 
You may just have to let it go. Look at Uncle Fred. <clears throat> Visualize the divinity within him that is in within everyone else and you. And you might just have to let it go. Bless him and let it and move on. <clears throat> and the fourth one, this is my very favorite one. If none of those things work out, slip out. Go and purchase a pint of ice cream and eat it all by yourself in your car. <laughs> I say bring on the holidays. We're ready, aren't we? We're ready. We're ready to be happier, to take good care of ourselves and others, to share our bounty to give thanks for life, not without difficulties, but knowing that we have the power and grace to find the good that is back of everything. We are ready to be the thanksgiving we desire. So let us prepare for meditation now. Put your feet on the floor if you can, and if you want to. Close your eyes or lower your gaze. And take a few deep breaths and then just breathe naturally. As we come together in consciousness, we release any worry and be right here, fully present. For everything, there is a season. And this is a season of gratitude. With the spirit of love and appreciation, we join our hearts and give thanks that the presence of spirit is with us and is us. We affirm that we are an essential part of divine oneness. And as we focus on the Christ within, our core, our perfect blueprint, we are aware of divine possibilities. And in fact, we claim that all is possible with God-mind. And it feels so good. And we envision the good that is unfolding now. We give thanks that we are now and forever attuned to source.
our dreams and desires can be expressed as we embrace divine ideas and follow them with creativity, courage, and confidence. And we claim the power to choose joyful and abundant lives. Emerson said that everyone is the inlet and may become the outlet for all there is in God. Imagine for a moment, you are the inlet of divine light and love. And an outlet for expressing that love, compassion, acceptance of others. We express our generosity by our kindness, by praising and encouraging others. In this season of gratitude, we are grateful and amazed at the beauty and goodness all around us. And we give thanks for the flow of abundance in our lives. Know these words for yourself. In the spirit of gratitude, I am blessed, and I am a blessing. I am blessed, and I am a blessing. Immersed in this divine presence, we are ready for the upcoming holiday. We are ready to embody the thanksgiving we desire. And as we slowly bring ourselves back to this time and place, we once again say thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 